What's up? This is Brandon London, and you're listening to the Big Blue UK and Ireland podcast. You hear that? The Big Blue UK and Ireland podcast. Let's go, Giants. Good evening. Welcome back, Giants fans, to the latest edition of the Big Blue UK and Ireland podcast in association with Annie's Man Club. Lads, it's okay to talk, as we do here every week. Um, This time we are 100% British, as you can kind of see, but absolutely still 100% Giants. Um, Both Shane and Kev are unavailable this week. Um, So, it's myself, producer Craig, and a special guest. Um, a new signing to the roster, undrafted rookie free agent uh, out of Cardiff in uh, in Wales, in Welsh Wales. Uh, welcome to podcast, Jamie. How are you doing, mate? I'm good, thank you. How are you both doing? You all right? All good, mate. Busy, had a busy long week of work, but always love to come on and chat giants. And uh, it's kind of my highlight of the week at the moment. So, yeah, glad to be here. Glad, looking forward to the, the weekend, looking forward to, to uh, Monday night. Um, which we'll come on to shortly. So, yeah, gotta love talking Giants football, and uh, it's nice to have someone different to talk to as well. So, welcome, Bruce Craig. How you doing, mate? Yeah, all good. You know, getting fired up for Monday night. If we can get fired up for Monday night, it's um, you know, it's not the best kind of build up, is it, at the moment? And things aren't exactly rosy, but. Yeah, we've got to think positively. It's still early. It's still a chance to turn it around. We're not mid-season form yet. You know, as we were talking beforehand, we don't have to start looking at mock drafts and trade scenarios just yet. You know, we, we've still got time. So, uh, yeah, looking forward to it. Unless your name's Shane, because I'm no doubt he's probably already at that point where he's ready to pull the trigger. And oh, do I do it? Do I do it? <laughs> you know, he loves he loves himself a mock draft. So. You know, I think if we if we lose this week, right, that's it. He's thrown in the towel. Mock drafts come in on Tuesday morning, no doubt from him. So, uh, yeah, looking forward to like I said, looking forward to Monday night. It'll be an interesting game um, against the Seahawks. And you know, it's I mean, again, it's week four of the season, but is it a must win already? Potentially, potentially a must win. Um, you know, we'll bring you the preview of our um, of the game against the Seahawks um, coming up shortly. Uh, third primetime game in four weeks, incidentally, which uh, can't complain about that. But, you know, primetime record recently hasn't been something to shout home about. Uh, but before we get into the game, coming up in just three, that's right, three short weeks, uh, we've got our London meetup in London at the Sports Bar and Grill in Marleybone alongside the uh, New York Giants Fans UK group. Um, again, the game against the Washington Commanders, 22nd October at 5 p.m., uh, kickoff because is it a 5 p.m. kickoff? No, it's 6 p.m. kickoff, isn't it? Um, but we're meeting up at five. Is that right, Craig? Mm-hmm. I think so. Yeah, it's a 5 time. Yeah. yeah, I saw the 5 p.m. there and I thought, 5 p.m. kickoff? No, it's yeah. a 5 p.m. meet and we're kickoff six o'clock. Uh, clocks go back the following week, I believe. Um, but yeah, if you plan on coming along, let us know 
Um, comment on our post on our social networks on Facebook, on Twitter, um, and you know we'll put your name on the list, and you could be within. You could be in with a chance to win yourself some uh, some prizes. So we've got a uh, a gift voucher for USA Sports.co.uk, our partners, um, who have also given us a discount code um, to get fifteen percent off your entire order. Hit, use the code Big Blue in the checkout and um, get yourself some Giants gear or some other US sports merch of your choosing. Um, and also. Uh, well, there's going to be um, some podcast merch up for grabs as well. So if your name's on the list, uh, you'll be entered into that draw. And we'll, are we going to do that draw on the night, Craig? Probably will. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll play it by ear. Um, I've just got one quick thing to add as well, and it's a bit of a rally mm-hmm. call because we have been contacted by the Commanders UK group who apparently have a fair amount of uh, guys who are willing to come down um, and watch it with us. So we really, really don't want to be outnumbered by those. So, you know, make sure you get yourself down. If you're in London, get yourself down. Come and have fun with us. Uh, we've got a really, really cool little setup that's been put aside for us, which is awesome. Um, Kev's going to be buying drinks for people in legacy shirts. So I've definitely got my big cat one pressed and ready I've to go. T- I've, got, I've, got, I've got my Tibbs jersey ready to go, mate. And yes, um, obviously, oh, yeah. And obviously, after the um, Arsenal, after last week's uh, defeat at the hands of um, San Francisco, obviously, I don't have to buy a drink for everyone because you know that was that was our um, what you know what if uh, if if the Giants win, but um, luckily I don't have to buy a drink for everyone. But you know, we're all going to be there. Kev's buying the drinks because we're all going to be wearing legacy jerseys. So uh, come down, join the fun, um, and. You know, I'm watching football with us because what more could you want to do on a Sunday night, right? Exactly. All right, so on Monday night, uh, it's the Eli Manning revenge game. Um, and it's also a return of Julian Love to MetLife as well. As uh, Gino Smith and his Seattle Seahawks come to town uh, to MetLife on Monday night football. Um, in what's shaping up to be a very intriguing game. So far this season, the fourth longest serving head coach, Pete Carroll, um, a senior Seahawks open up the season with a pretty surprising loss to their divisional rival um, Los Angeles Rams. It's 30-13. to 13. Uh, Week two brought a hard-fought overtime win over the Detroit Lions, so over improving Detroit Lions, um, who we saw in the preseason uh, and looked pretty good in the preseason as well. And they've looked not, not too bad so far as well. Um, but that was thanks to Geno Smith and Tyler Lockett. And then last weekend they came up against... The Andy Dalton-led Carolina Panthers, um, and with most Andy Dalton-led teams, uh, the Carolina Panthers end up losing. So, um, yes, the Seahawks sit at two and one. Um, you know, I mean, I could stand up for a fellow redhead, but let's face it, um, you know, the Panthers put up a decent fight into, into the up until the fourth quarter, and then um, Kenneth Walker sort of made play and. Ended up having 17 carries for 97 yards um, and two touchdowns. Defensively, the Seahawks improved, regained some of that bend-don't-break mentality um, that they had last season, uh, with the Panthers actually reaching the red zone once as well. So, you know, we come up against an improving defence this weekend um, and an offence that Geno Smith, I mean, he won Comeback Player of the Year last year. Grant, he didn't really come back from anything apart from being dog shit in the first place. Um, but he's now decided to actually up his game and become a half-decent quarterback. Um, so, 
Yeah, we got we got an interesting matchup coming this weekend. But let's talk more about that offense, producer Craig. What are we up against? Well, Geno Smith kind of has looked more like he did last season in their last two games. Um, his yards per average has now gone up from four point three in game week one to eight in game week two, and then eight point two last week. Uh, four touchdowns on the season, uh, which is the same amount of, that he had last year. Uh, Lockett has two, Metcalf has one, and Jake Bobo, who has one. Um, I'm sorry, who? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Undrafted rookie free agent, I think. Uh, Metcalf has been his go-to. Jake to... Bobo. Jake Bobo. Interesting. Uh, Metcalf has been his go-to receiver once again. DK already has 234 yards on 15 receptions to go with his touchdown. Um, he's 131 yards in front of their second highest receiver, which is Tyler Lockett, um, and has 15.6 yards per reception, which is not great reading. Uh, Rushing-wise, Walker is their lead back after his 1,113-yard 10-touchdown season last year, uh, and he hasn't shown signs of slowing down. 204 yards and four touchdowns for him on the ground already. Uh, rookie backup, Zach Charbonnet, who the Seahawks selected in the second round has been his backup, um, but limited. Uh, I think Walker's taken the sort of lion's share of the snaps so far. Uh, offensive line, they've kind of been a bit, kind of like the Giants, you know, on the rotation. They haven't really been healthy. Um, they've been without Charles Cross since week one. However, there is a chance that he returns to the field in week four, and it kind of sounds like, from what Pete Carroll was saying, that that's, that's a potential. Um, and they're going to want him back. Tackles Jake Curran and Stone Forsyth, what a name, um, struggled against the Panthers' pass rush. So, um, you know, they're going to want to shore that up. So we'll start off, Jamie, introduce you into the world of Big Blue UK and Ireland with a question. So Seahawks handed the Giants their second loss of the season last year, but were able to hold their rushing and passing attack relatively in check. Do we trust Banks and Hawkins, our rookie corners on the outside, to curtail Metcalf and Lockett? Do you know what? I think they've been our bright sparks, and that's that shows where we are as a secondary, I think, is the fact that two rookies, especially one being a seventh-rounder, has probably been our most solid corners. Um, however, we've seen that Metcalf is a beast. Um, we've been penalised, I think, four or five times this year for PI, and they're quite lengthy, you know, costly ones, and one of those ones in it where we haven't been great. We, you know, our defence this year has not been great. They're putting up points and we're conceding them quite often. Um, I'm going to be optimistic. Come on, it's my first time. Yes, they can do it. Yes, they can do it. Banks will have the money in the bank. He'll be fine. What about you, Dad? What, what are your thoughts on this? He'll have DK in his pocket, mate, when I... Um... When you've got a lock, like, you know, Deontay Banks, he's a lockdown corner so far. He's proven he's a lockdown corner so far. And you've got on the other side, promising rookies. So like you said, seventh round pick, Trey Williams. I mean, I've got full faith that Seattle won't have much luck on the outside um, because those two are playing lights out coverage. Um, they've really impressed me so far in the three weeks. You know, we've been up, we've not been up, exactly been up against, you know, bad teams in terms of offenses. We've not been up against, you know, we've been up against Dallas. Who I mean I know we pretty much just bent over and, and let them score on us, but uh, and then we went we were up against San Francisco last week, and you know we all know how good their offense is. Tay Banks has the third lowest passer rating allowed amongst all rookie corners so far this season. 
He allowed 52 yards uh, rece receiving on 13 targets for a quarterback rating of 77.1. I mean, Deontay Banks is looking very much like the first round pick that we chose, what, 24th overall. Um, and, you know, what more can you say about him that hasn't been said already? He, j he just looks like an absolute stud. Uh, and I'm not surprised that Adore has been pushed into the um, into the nickel spot. So he's on pace, and as he, he's on he's on pace to give up 416 receiving yards this season. To put that in perspective, Sauce Gardner, last year's defensive rookie of the year, gave up 452 yards receiving. So if Tay Banks gave up 416 yards, I think Shane has uh, potentially. Onto a winner with his little wager of Tay Banks earning Defensive Rookie of the Year. I think the risk, though, in the coverage is is in the box and it's through the middle. Um, I think we, you know, Seattle. Have, um, we're giving up an average of 223 yards per game through the air, which is bang in the middle of the league ratings. Um, when you bear that in mind, like I said, we've come up against Dallas. We've come up against the 49ers in the first three weeks. We've only given up three touchdowns through the air. You've got to give credit to that secondary so far. So yes, I think uh, you know I think they can stop Metcalf. They can stop um, Tyler Lockett, um, and I think our, you know our secondary can definitely hold their own. But here's another one though. So the Seattle O line's given up five sacks and ten tackles for loss through the first three weeks, which is again it's kind of average across the league. Do you see our pass rush improving this week? I, I think they need to step it up big time. Um, was it the stat we saw about um, we were blitzing? Was it over 80% of the time? And, you know, there we, we've seen reports with um, Kayvon Thibodeau not necessarily being as productive and he's only had one sack through the season so far. We're missing we're missing Aziz Ojolari. And that sounds daft because, you know, he has been injury prone. You can never have too many people blitzing or coming off the edge and stuff. You know, we haven't seen the best of Dexter Lawrence yet, but is that because people are paying more attention to him? Um, but it's unfair, like you say about the secondary. The secondary are holding up, considering that you know the pressure they're under because there's nothing up front for them. You know, that we like you said about um, Kenneth Walker, for example. There, we know what sort of beast he is. Now, if the if the you know if the defensive line aren't holding up. These secondary guys, they're having to do a lot of the hits. They're having to take a lot of the energy. And it's just like, you know, we, we've got to click somewhere. We know Wink is a wizard and we just need it. We need that spark. We need MetLife to be rocking on Monday night. And we need everyone just to be fireworks everywhere. And Pete Carroll to whinge about it after the game's finished, like he normally does. Um, and hopefully we have some decent officiating because I, I will put that out there that I think there's been some very, very questionable officiating calls this season already. Yeah, it's something that we've already, uh, we've already touched on quite a few times, actually, is the officiating this season. It just seems to be an epidemic that's carried on from last year. I don't, really don't think that the um, the referees have, have sort of covered themselves in glory for a few years, actually. I think the, the standard of officiating has gone down dramatically, um, and I'm not sure what it is. Uh, and funny enough, it's not even really something that's, unique to the NFL. I think refereeing standards in a lot of games, you know, English football is a massive one. Jamie, you're a, you, yeah. you've seen championship referees as much as I have. They are a different breed. Um, it, so. it's, 
it's baffling. I mean, Xavier McKinney did, he was asked the question, wasn't he, about obviously our issue with tackling. Um, and he couldn't answer it because ultimately it's almost like you, you get told off if you question these officials, don't you? You get told, mm. you know, you, you get the flag thrown in your face. There you go. There's another 10 yards and what have you. Um, and there seems to be no sanction for these officials who continue to make these errors. I mean, where are you meant to hit somebody? If someone's running at you, where where is safe and where is correct to hit somebody when he's probably double your weight? Um, and, you know, when, when there's people crossing in front of you, it, it, it's almost like it's ruining the sport at times. It's like they want the attention there. They're stopping the game and it's like, Where's this call come from? And I think if you ask the vast majority of head coaches, they would say they they genuinely don't think that, like you said, that the officiating's improving. It's probably getting worse. Mm-hmm. I mean, going back to the the pass rush question, Dan, um, I think one thing that that's evident if you look at historical Wink Martindale uh, defenses is that pass rushers don't thrive. It's it's just it's just a product, a byproduct essentially of of what he does. You know, um, is it Zadarius Zadarius Smith that we had at the um, at the Ravens? Yeah. You you see what he's gone on to do since Wink yep. left. I mean, absolute monster. And I do wonder if Thibodeau's kind of issues on the pass pass rush, because let's be honest, on the other side when you've got Jihad Ward and Boogie Basham, they're not setting the world alight. I I would actually be quite happy just to see maybe Isaiah Simmons get a shot over over at Edge Rusher just to see what happens. I mean, what Why have we not? got to lose? We've picked him up for such a small amount of money and such a token kind of draft pick that it makes sense to to see what he could offer you in a different position. You know, the whole thing, as Jamie said about Wink, is that he's able to can you know he's a magician. He can conduct all of these different looks, why are we not using players in different positions that potentially could make or break a game? Um, And you're right about Dexter Lawrence. Dexter Lawrence has been by far and away our best player yet again. It just doesn't show up because he's being double teamed, triple teamed at any given time. It's not like Big Cat or any of the other uh, defensive linemen are really doing anything to to help him out, to kind of take the, the attention away where they have to go, oh, okay, well, Big Cat's getting through quite a lot, so maybe we need to move to him so Dex can then go through. I think we're yeah, so exactly. tired. I think, sorry to interrupt, I think, you know, we, we say right. about the team being gassed. I think they genuinely are. Like, there's, if our, like we said about in regards to the other side of the ball, if the other side of the ball, we aren't chewing the clock and what have you, it's a continuous cycle where, you know, Dexter Lawrence, or however heavy he is, 300 pounds, wherever it may be, he's just, you know, he's made a big play or he's got three linemen on him. He's tired. And all of a sudden, before they know it, they've sat down, they've had a Gatorade or whatever they drink, and they're back up. Um, and again, like you said, is the good thing about Isaiah Simmons, that you can't go wrong with with changing his, his, his thing because at the end of the day, it benefits him. It's a contract year. So it benefits him if he's, um, you know, if he all of a sudden produces, say, five sacks or, wow, we've got an Isaiah Simmons that was picked up from the draft out of Clems and everyone loved him because ultimately it benefits us because you can bet your bottom dollar on it the next year in the draft, if we haven't got this key quartet or what have you of edge rushers, we'll be looking to get an edge rusher. Well, we won't need to do that if we can actually use or try and get the best out of Simmons. Jihad Ward, who, you know, he's got a personality that everybody loves, but we just haven't seen the production as of yet 
on the pitch. Um, oh, sorry, on the field. Sorry, I must say on the field. Um, but, you know, <laughs> it's like, all good. It's all good. We, you know, again, like you said earlier on, it's week four, and there's still a long way to go, and the only way is up. So I think we, as Giants fans, we are positive. We can see what we're trying to do, and I think we'll be good. Yeah, I think, you know, with with Wink how he is, I mean, I mean, you look at how much we've blitzed this season so far, and it's almost like, great, but we're not seeing the end products. And also, our team's like cottoning on to the fact that we're, we're blitzing half the time. Well, probably, yeah, because you look at the amount of times that the, the ball is snapped and, and the quarterback, the opposing quarterback is getting rid of the ball ASAP. You know, Tibbs hasn't had a chance to get near the quarterback when he is rushing because it's it the ball was out so quickly and Darius makes a great point there so Tibbs is a pass rusher let him rush I mentioned before about the fact that he's dropping into coverage what 30 40 percent of the time and to me like I said he is a he is an archetypal 4-3 D end he's he reminds me so much of Osi he reminds me so much of Justin Tuck Michael Strahan those type of players even Jason Pierre-Paul as well he reminds me so much of those type of players that he just needs to rush the passer He's an absolute monster when it comes to you know the, the ball rush against the offensive line and and getting to the quarterback. That we're not utilizing him to his strengths. His strength he might be he might be good in coverage, but his strength isn't coverage. His strength is rushing the passer. And I absolutely agree as well with you, Darius, and that's that Isaiah Simmons needs more snaps. He does need more snaps because he's a he's a great talent, and we've picked him up for such you know. It's been it's such a bargain that we got him for that it almost seems criminal that we're not using him more. I mean, yeah, granted, he didn't play particularly well in in Arizona, but they didn't really know how to use him. I mean, we've we've seen where he's good and what he can do, and where he's best being used. Why are we not using him? Um, so you know, see, there we go. He's like OC, right? Um, but you know, there's, there's a lot that our defense needs to improve on for sure, um, and I think. You know, if any if anyone can can get this defense um, humming again and singing off the same hymn sheet, it's Wink because he he is he is a magician and he can do crazy crazy things. What were you going to say, Jamie? Sorry, mate. No, and again, it's, it benefits everybody because, like you say, in terms of the units, we've we've already said that our linebacker core isn't the best. You know, we haven't seen the likes of Bobby Okereke. We haven't seen the best of him yet, but. You know, like the whole hand in the in the dirt sort of thing. Get him running off the edge because it creates problems for the offensive line. If they jump, we get five yards. You know, it's it's small gains that at the minute we're not necessarily seeing. And it feels like it's the other way around with obviously the offensive stuttering. We're going further back. Um, but like, you know, likes of Savior McKinney and things like that. These are big players that we know have the ability. But if there's no... Can, you know, there's no productivity at the you know at the top end sort of thing. At the then these players at the back end aren't going to be showing their their skills because unfortunately, you know the the wide receivers are going to be doing their slant routes. They're going to be going deep and they'll just be right. We'll have ten yards. We'll have fifteen yards, like you said about Metcalf. Fifteen yards for Metcalf. That you know you're not going to stop him because fifteen yards is small change for him, especially with a man of his size. You know, one on one, he'll he'll take anyone out. Um, and again, like I said, is hopefully we've had we've had the break now, haven't we? We've had the extended break, so hopefully we've done our homework. We've had that trip out west, uh, east west, wherever it was, um, where we, you know, we we all said that would be tricky, 
But now we're on our home turf and we, you know, there's no excuses. We have to turn up on Monday night football and we have to put a good show in for the fans because at the end of the day, the big blue faithful, um, they are faithful, but there, there comes a point that they do start asking questions about, you know, it's a results-based business, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's we've kind of kind of spoken about our defense for so long. I guess we should probably have a look at, at what Seattle's defense is like. Um, yeah, we so, absolutely should. <laughs> <laughs> so, like like the Giants, the Seahawks had a poor run defense last season. However, unlike the Giants, they seem to have fixed their issues this year. Uh, Ninety two yards allowed in Week One, hundred and two in Week Two, and against the Panthers, they only allowed forty four yards on the ground. Wow. Now. Last year, they played the Panthers and allowed 223 yards on the ground. So that is um, quite the improvement year on year. Mainly, go on. did Carolina have CMC at the time? It's a good question. It's not one that I actually looked at, to be fair. Um, it's a very good question. I completely forgot that CMC was even there, mainly because of the fact I, will I, have want a, to, I, will, I will, want to forget he exists. <laughs> yeah, I, I will have a look at that. Bear, bear with me cool. I'll have a look. You do that. Um, now, their improvement on the run defence side is actually mainly down to one reason and one reason only, and that is the returning Bobby Wagner, uh, who spent his kind of off year um, was it with the Rams, I think he was with last year. Um, now, he has a 91.6 grade against the run on PFF for the season, which is absolutely outstanding. And they actually have um, edge rusher, Ushana Nwusu, who has a 90 grade as well against the run. So that that is a hell of an improvement. Um, on the pass rush side, it's a slow start, actually, for the, um, the Seahawks, but it is gaining traction. Zero sacks in their opener, uh, two sacks in week two and three sacks last week with interior defender Jaron Reed leading the way with one and a half, but he got both of those, or you know, one and a half against the Panthers. Dan, have you found it? I have found it. And uh, Christian McCaffrey was not on the team. Wow. But, wow. It, was, uh, it, was, it was week uh, 14 last year. Wow. So after the trade deadline. So uh, Chubba Hubbard and Dante Foreman each had 74 yards rushing. And this says a lot. Sam Darnold had 30 yards. <laughs> Sam freaking Darnold had 30 yards rushing. What's going on with that? So they must have improved. Must have improved for sure. And Bobby Wagner, yeah. what a beast he is. Yeah. I mean, moving into the sort of backfield, um, the Seahawks first round pick, Devin Witherspoon, has been kind of hit and miss. 95 yards and a touchdown and two penalties already given up this season. But when you actually look at him in coverage... He's actually not been that bad. Uh, targeted 18 times, he's only allowed eight receptions and has three pass breakups. So it's not awful. Teething problems, as we all know, happen with, with rookie sort of cornerbacks. But he's potentially something that the Giants could target. Um, other standout, Trey Brown, suffered a concussion against the Panthers and would likely be out against us. However, backup Mike Jackson did come in and was relatively decent when called upon. Um, but their main weak spot could be at safety, where we have the returning Julian Love, who I'm sure uh, Kev is happy he doesn't have to have a little little cry moment about um, thinking about His that. Boy. 
his boy, and um, they've got Quandre Diggs. Now, they played the majority of snaps, but both have been really bad in coverage and, interestingly, tackling, which is one thing that I've seen on Twitter a lot this week is people going, oh, we need, you know, Julian Love's coming back and we need his tackling. But actually, he's been really quite poor this year with missed tackles. Now, mm-hmm. Pete Carroll has said Jamal Adams will make his first appearance of the season. So, you know, safety might be shored up, but he's going to be rusty. I think he tore his pec or something week one, like very early last season. Um, I can't remember if it was pec or quad. It was one of the two. Um, I know they're very, very different muscles groups <laughs> between the pec and the quad. Um, but, yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, so, um, he, but, you know, that could be a big change. But here's, the, here's a question for you, Dan. Day. Barkley is considered day-to-day at the moment. Do you risk him against a team that looks like they've improved their run defence or do you give him more time to recover even if he is potentially serviceable? I'll throw back a question at you to answer that question. <laughs> do you want to win this game? It's a good point. To win, very if you want to win, if you want to win this game, you play twenty six. Yeah, I think it. I mean, don't get me wrong. Matt Breeder, Gary Brightwell, Eric Gray, serviceable running backs can can do a job, can get three yards of carry if needed. Do they set the field alight? No. Do they make any sort of standout plays? No, do they really? Are they any good in sort of, you know, coming out, going out wide as a receiver and making a play downfield? Probably not. Gary Brightwell did last week. Fair play to him. You know, our mate Gary he had a good, he had a fairly decent game. But those three combined are not the threat that Saquon Barkley is. And I don't care what you say about Barkley, whether you agree from him being tagged, whether you agree to him signing a one-year deal, whether you think he should have left the team, whether you think we should have signed him to a long-term deal. Whatever your opinion is about Barkley, Barkley is a game-changer. And whilst we have this game-changer on our roster, and if he is fit enough to play, play the man. Even if it's a reduced amount of snaps he takes, even if he's on the field 50% of the snaps, those 50% of the snaps, we know we have an absolute weapon on the field. And Daniel Jones has his best buddy on the field because if he, you know, when he needs a check down, if Barkley's there, you know, Barkley's going to do everything he can to make a play. So, but he's got a play. You know, this is, this is week four, but this is a, this is a, Really, really key game to win, especially the fact that we've got Buffalo, Miami, and Washington all coming up in the next three weeks. Now, Buffalo—they've not been—they've not set the the, the league like recent over the first three, what three weeks of the season, but they're the Buffalo Bills. Miami, I mean, what more can we say about Miami than the fact that they scored seventy points last weekend? And even Washington haven't looked horrendous so we got three big games coming up in the next three weeks and if we don't get a win here we could be staring at a one and six record so and that and that is uh, when if it when it gets to one and six that is the time when you start thinking right trade deadlines coming up you know our schedule isn't looking great do we start offloading people you know we've got that conversation sort of has been floated before but yeah it's you've got to win this game 
it's a it, for me it's a must win. Yeah. It's a what must think, win. Jamie? And we got and we we gotta do something on prime time as well, surely. You've got a prime a prime time player in Saquon Barkley. It's as simple as that. He makes plays. He again under under the MetLife Knights, you know, it, it's the sort of person that will get people off their seats. Um, but also, like you say, it they 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 have to think about Barkley being there. Whether he gets ten snaps, twenty snaps, or whatever, if Barkley is in contention to play, you have to put him in that team sheet. You don't have to put him in that lineup just so it it creates that sort of food for thought that they have to cater for Barkley. You know, again, I think maybe I don't like the snap count Malarkey, but I think maybe we have to use him a bit better because sometimes we literally are. We'd like to talk about our O line or lack of it. We're just it's almost like we're we're giving him the hospital pass where. Quick, just check it to him, and all of a sudden you get everyone smashing him from everywhere, you know. Um, but I think he just brings confidence for everyone else. The likes of Darren Waller, you know, who we, we probably haven't seen as much as we'd like to at the minute. You know, the likes of Darius Slayton, he, by Saquon Barkley being active and having reps, he creates holes and chances for everyone else. And I think, like you say, with the upcoming schedule, we can't keep saying, oh, well, do we risk him? Do we risk him? Well, no disrespect, but the Bills will, they're not exactly, um, you know, they're not wimps, neither are the Dolphins. They're very physical. And to be honest with you, like you said, we've tagged him, uh, we agreed the deal. We don't want another season going if, buts, if, buts, if, buts. We need to know, is he the guy going forward for the next four years? Or do we need to say, do you know what? This is the second time now, or third time he's had these injuries. It may be just a case of, Thank you very much, Saquon. And think, and we don't want that because we, you know, Saquon makes plays. You know, Saquon is the man, and Daniel Jones seems to. It's like having a brother next to him. He he just that when to when they they click, they're great to watch, and we score more than what we score normally. So, you know, it's 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 a win win for me. You've got to play him. You have to play him, and you know, and, and I think a lot of Giants would be saying that now. I um. What do you reckon, Craig? I seem to be making a habit of this at the moment, but um, I'm, I'm very much kind of on the other side at the moment. Um, and there's, there's a good reason behind it is that I think the second half of our schedule is easier than the first half of our schedule. There's no doubt about it if you look at it on, on paper. Um, and yes, the game is not paid on paper. But if you do look at it and you look at what we do have coming up with I mean, the Bills and Miami is just a horrible, horrible twosome to to start going up against. Yeah. And I just wonder if you you look at it in two different ways. Do you take a not a hundred percent healthy Saquon Barkley and put him into a game where potentially it takes the rest of the season potentially to for him to get good enough up to a point where he can play to his full potential? Or do you go, okay, we need to manage him better and maybe take him out of the lineup this week and next week to protect the player himself and then go, right, we've got him back at 100% where he is full go. And I'm talking like, you know, full speed Barkley that we've seen before. And we saw it in bits last season. I just wonder if... For the sacrifice, and I'm, you know, I'm just spitballing and making numbers up here. But for the sacrifice of maybe an injury that could cost him two, three miles per hour per rush, do you take the risk to play him and have him on a slower sort of burst, 
or do you rest him and go for the faster burst? That's that that's me playing devil's advocate for a minute there and kind of saying, you know, I get it. And yeah, you always want your best players out there. I mean, hell, hopefully we should have arguably our second best player on offense in Andrew Thomas back this this week, which would be a massive plus as well. Um I just don't know. The dreaded high ankle sprains are just horrible, aren't they? And it's really hard to call. And, you know, at first we were fed, oh, it's an ankle sprain. And then Barkley comes out himself and says, oh, it's a high ankle sprain. And it just it, and it changes like, the narrative take. completely. <laughs> yeah, it just yeah. changes the narrative completely because that word high, you go, ah, oh, balls, that's not really as good as we first thought it was going to be. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I understand your perspective and I get, you know, do, do you really... I mean, there is that word. There's a term. Do you risk? It? Um, there's that. There's that fine line between risk and reward. Yeah. And it's like, do you risk him? And then Steve DJs more. I mean, yeah. Limit Saquon. Don't necessarily. You know, he he's been playing three downs like for the over those first three weeks. Um, I mean, Matt Breed has barely seen the ball, barely, barely been on the field. Our mate Gary's barely been on the field. Um, you know, Barkley's been playing a, a high percentage of, of snaps. So it's like, you know, limit his um, involvement in the game just for this week and just, you know, see how it goes and don't maybe necessarily put so much pressure or, or you know, go to him so often. Just sort of see how that angle is. And, you know, and if it turns out that it's, it's not as good as we hoped. Then, right, pull him from the game before he does it any, any more any any more damage. Um, rather than don't sit, don't play him at all, and and run the risk of falling flat on our faces like we did last week against San Francisco. Because I mean, yeah, granted, on paper the schedule looks easier the second half of the season, but you know we've we've not got a bye week to the beginning of December, and that's through what twelve weeks. You know, by the time he gets to the bye week, you know, looking at the schedule, Jets, Commanders games, favourable, Raiders, maybe, that you know, they're a bit hit and miss. Patriots at home, obviously, we hope we win that game because that's where we're going to be. <laughs> we're going to be there. Um, so, at, at, you know, if hopefully, you know, you're, you're hoping for six, seven wins by the time he gets to the bye. If you're going to sit Barkley over the next two, three weeks in these big games, Seattle, Miami and Buffalo, you can pretty much chalk them off as losses. And then you're looking by week, you're almost, you're almost, you're looking to hopefully be 500. And then go, coming out of the bye, you've then got some t- t- Eagles twice, Green Bay at home on Monday night, which the way they've been playing, who knows? On the road at New Orleans, again, they've been a little bit of a surprise this season so far. And then you got a game at home to the Rams on New Year's Eve, which you know Matt Stafford is Matt Stafford. The Rams are the Rams. Cooper Cup will probably be back by then. Puka Nakua is setting the light, setting the league at light. They're not, there's, there's no guarantee you're winning those games either. So it's it's so it's such a fine line with Barkley this week. I think it's for me. It's just if he's available and if he's good to go, play him. But I get the. Um, the hesitation for sure and I, you know it's going to be it's going to be a game time decision really isn't it it's probably going to come down to monday right let's see how he is through after the weekend given you know and and let's go from there so um on that do we go through what we should do to win then dan 
I think we should. Yeah. Um, what a big blue got to do to win. Well, one of the big issues we, last week was, you know, defensively was getting off the field on third downs. Uh, allowed nine of 16 third down conversions with those, some of those coming on a third and 15, third and 13, and third and nine as well, um, which went for a touchdown. Against the Panthers, the Seahawks were one for eight in the first half and 0 and three in the red zone on third down. They did clear up their red zone issues in the second half, but third downs were three for 13 overall. So the fact that they're not, they didn't do so well on third downs last week shows that maybe we've got some hope that they won't convert on third downs this week. But who knows? You know, we've got to take advantage and get off the field. You know, the defense has got to step up. I want to see some three and outs. I want to see some big plays on defense. I want to see a fucking turnover. <laughs> you know, you just know? just something, just 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 a that little spark, something to happen on defense to go. You know what? Our defense is back. I think it's infectious, though, isn't it? Is you know that we've been told that they're, they're a close knit um, unit, and we've got all these captains, and they're well thought of and stuff like that, and it's great. But at points, you've got to bring that off the field stuff onto the field. And, you you know, like you say, it's very infectious. If one person makes a tackle for loss, they're all jumping on each other. They're ready. They've got that extra 5% adrenaline. They're there. You know. But unfortunately for us, we've done something and then we've compounded that with like a false, you know, a false start or whatever it may be. So it's like we've got to be consistent. I think that's the problem for me is, is like you say there, it frustrates me when you, you, you can sort of think, are the three and nine, and you're kind of conceding the fact they're probably going to get three and 15. You know, they're going to go first down, they're going to, you know, and I think that's what he says. We struggle to get off the field on third down, we struggle to do it because it's like the drive keeps going, the drive keeps going. Um, and you just hope the game there's a game plan because I think we've seen the first few weeks who's making the calls, who's doing what, you know, the whole is it Dave or is it Kafka? And it's like, well, we don't bloody know, we're never going to know, but what is clear to see is sometimes I don't think the players know. Um, you know, it's not transpiring on the on the field as much as it is. You know, there's a few drop passes, which you could say, you know, they're good, they're good options. Um, but then there's some glaring errors, missed tackles, like you say, and that comes down to that comes down to technique, that comes down to individuals then. And uh, I think we've especially in the the the, the media over over um in New York, I've been reading a few reports and there's a few players like McKinney. Um, like a Dory Jackson, who are expected to do big things because in the, the day they are captains, they are leaders in the in the in the locker room, but they're not stepping up and making big plays. Um, and like you said about, you don't have to be a big name. Look at like you said about um, Puka up in you know down in Rams. You don't have to be a, a, a first round draft pick to make big plays. Um, we see that with our seventh round pick. He's one of our better defensive players this year because he you know. He's making that impression. He's got everything to, to to win. He's got everything to achieve. But I'd like you say, players need to to come together. They need to to sing off that same hymn sheet, and they need to start making plays because, unfortunately, plays win games. Yeah, man. And defensively, you know, we you know you made the point about tackling. We need to sort out tackling out because that was a, a huge reason as to why San Francisco converted so many of their third downs that they had. Um, so. There's a lot to work on on defense. We know that, but another, you know, a player to watch out on on the other side of the ball, um, Seattle's offense. You know, Adam Thielen had a had a game last week. Um, Eleven receptions, 145 yards, and a touchdown. 62 snaps. Um, 
and lined up in the slot on 70 in um 75% of those um against Seattle so it's like you know our our, our passing you know passing what passing wise we can really do some damage on their um on their pass defense um Julian Love is allowed a league lead in 292 yards in coverage which 42 yards more than any other defender in the league there's a weakness right there you know we know Julian Love we know him very very well and the fact he's been exploited so far I means can we exploit him even more I mean why not go after them you know like um like Darius said feed Waller feed Jalen Hyatt yeah. I mean, Jalen. If if you know, if anyone could do some damage, for, you know, deep downfield, it's Jalen Hyatt. His speed alone um, is 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 scary. Um, offensively, we need to take advantage in that passing game. Like I said, the Seahawks rank thirty first in the league in passing yards allowed, an average of three hundred and twenty eight yards per game. Only the Chargers have allowed more yards through the air, but to allow DJ to get the ball downfield, we've got to give him time. And surprise, surprise, that means the O-line has to step up. And I mean, I don't think there's ever been a week where we've reviewed or previewed a game that we haven't talked about the bloody O-line. And I'm not going to go into it now. <laughs> don't get me wrong. I'm not going to go into it now. But they need to step up. And having Andrew Thomas and Ben Bredesen back on that line, returning from injury, it could be a huge, huge thing for us. Um, and as mentioned, you know, Barkley's day-to-day, cornerback uh, Deontay Banks had a arm injury. He's going to be fine to play. Is there any other updates to the injury report, Craig? Uh, yeah, there's an uh, injury report came out um, not long ago, actually, about 20 minutes ago. Um, Bredesen, concussionist, full participant, so he he's shaken that off, so that's good. Limited, uh, Andrew Thomas hamstring, Aziz Ojolari hamstring, DJ Davidson with an elbow, which to no surprise. Uh, Daniel Bellinger with a neck injury uh, appeared on there. So hopefully that's just management. And then Barkley with his ankle. So um, a much shorter injury list than we've had nice. in previous seasons and, and also shorter than last week. So Nice. It's looking hopeful. It's looking hopeful for all of them, really. Um, and, you know, what he used, used, you know, those slot receivers, Paris Campbell, Wondell Robinson, Sterling Shepard, use them because, like I said, that the, the, their coverage, you know, is isn't great. So you know, utilize the weapons that we got, um, and you know, passing the ball will help to set up the run as well. Um, as much as you know, running the ball helps to set up the passing game. You know, they were they interchange. No more the dink and dunk. Yeah, throw it downfield, launch it. Dan Jones has got a gun on him, so you know. Launch it, you know, and lead that receiver into the pass. Don't underthrow him, so they have to sort of stutter and hold back and wait. You know, just there's so much more this offense can do, and there's so much more. You know, they they it's almost like they're just they're running on like ten percent at the moment. There's so much there's so much potential for this offense. You know, we discussed at length in the preseason the weapons we have on this offense, but it's so crucial. Is that what is so crucial is that offensive line? And as much as we hate talking about it and hate bitching and moaning and whining and whatever about it, it's so crucial. It's so so crucial. So, you know, two questions. Play action, play action. Let's not forget about Daniel Jones' mobility as well, because we know he exactly. didn't see him last week. And, and and Daniel Jones, when he extends plays, 
he you know he creates problems and like you say i think one day robinson running through the slot you know we're gonna have that stigma with him is we haven't seen the best of one day robinson we don't want him to be that player that we we drafted over somebody else and so on and so forth. But DJ, to, I'm, I'm hoping Monday night we see a lot of play action, a few rushing touchdowns. That's what I'm going to predict. A few rushing touchdowns for DJ. Um, and we just we just start, you know, firing flames down the pitch. And we are the Giants. You know, we're Giants by name, Giants by nature. Let's start playing like them. That's it. All right, so Thomas and Bredesen returning is huge, right? So... You got you surely you got to expect this to be a bit of a more in, of an improved performance this week um, on the offense, not not just on the offense, but on the on the offensive line, Craig. Oh, 100%. hundred um, percent. It's I don't know if anyone's seen any of the interviews um, across the week that the Giants players have been doing. Um, just just quickly before I answer the question, I just want to touch on um, Josh Azudu had uh, a few videos come up on Twitter. Uh, just what a lad! Just he speaks really openly, especially about his friendship with Marcus McKethan. And it looks like McKethan is going to be taking that right guard spot next to Evan Neal, uh, Bredesen next to Andrew Thomas and obviously Schmitz. Who, you know, I, I feel like we don't mention Schmitz enough, but also I think that's a good thing as well, because if you're not talking about him, then um, he's doing his job. But going back to these Azudu videos, I highly recommend going to check them out, not purely just for the way that he talks about, you know, how he can improve and how his friendship with McKethan has really helped them both thrive um, and, and come to the forefront, especially seeing as they were teammates in college. But one thing that always stands out to me is the fact that Azudu has a, a speech impediment where he has a stutter and he's not scared to come in front of those cameras and he persists and the reporters are not, you know, they're, they're respectful and, and they're, they're patient with him and he gets his point across. But I think that there's there's a lot to be said about a player who's not afraid to kind of own his disability and inspire others. I just wanted to touch on that in the terms of our offensive line, especially with Azubi, you know, he's only a second-year player. And um, yeah. and I think that shows great maturity from him. Um, to answer the massively. question, yeah, to answer the question, it's, it, it is massive. To get them to back in, back in the lineup is absolutely huge. And I think... Thomas is such an underrated cog, probably not just as a pass protector, but also as a confidence boost for the rest of the line. I think if you just see a, a stalwart like him on the side there, somebody who I believe he's a captain as well, um, it just it, it just makes the world of difference confidence-wise. Mate, you see seven, eight on the line, you know. Oh, all right, left left side is is locked down, you know. Nobody's getting past him on the edge. All right, all right, Jamie. Secondly, then the fact that Adam Thielen took so much advantage of the um, Seahawks secondary, do Campbell and Wandale get more of the ball, or even Shep? Even do they do they see more of the ball? They they have to. Um, I'm all for sharing, you know, sharing the portion of the, the you know the the receptions around. You can never have too many fat mouths to feed because it, it ultimately. I think everyone knows that Waller is one of our main threats. You just said about Hyatt with his speed. And they can sort of preempt that, can't they, with their game plans and stuff like that. So having, you know, Shep on his day without injuries is, is unbelievable. You know, we've seen that. And that's why we love him so much. Harris Campbell's rapid, so, you know, he can do that. But it just creates, it creates you know, sort of issues for the defence. Like you said, Jamal Adams is coming back. He's not going to be fully fit. 
Julian Love, we saw the best of him and the worst of him. So we know what he's like. Um, yeah, hell yeah. Just give it to give it to different people. Quick, get it out, see it to different people, and let's see some uh, attractive football being played. 100%. 100%. All right, then. It's prediction time. Uh, and as usual, I'm up first. Um, so it's a tough game to I think our pass rush comes good in terms of we, we start seeing some numbers. We start seeing some tackles for loss. We start seeing some sacks. We start seeing some penetration up front on the defensive side of things. And, and Geno Smith, you know, does Geno Smith things and maybe throws the odd interception here or there. Um, and the return of Andrew Thomas and Ben Bredesen shores up that eye loan that, that, little, that little bit and uh, gives DJ some more time that he needs in the pocket to make those plays downfield. Don't get me wrong, I don't think it's going to be, um, you know, it's, it's not going to be a one-sided game. I think I, I think it's going to be a close, tight game. I think it's going to be low scoring. Um, I've gone Giants win 23-17. Let's get that dub. Um, next up, I believe, is Kev. Um, he sent his prediction into us earlier. He's also gone for a Giants win 24-21. Uh, he thinks it's going to be a field goal game. That's a nice little tight one. Graham Gano walk off. I'll take that. Um, Mr. Mr. Pessimistic as ever, Shane. Um, even Shane, if you're watching, uh, has gone for a 27-17 Seahawks win. Shocking. Uh, Producer Craig, your prediction? Um, I hate this. I, I keep changing my mind. Um I've, I've got 30-29 to the Seahawks at the what moment. What score is that? <laughs> it's it's happened. It's happened. But funny enough, I, I, I love looking at Scorigami. I'm like obsessed with Scorigami at the moment. Um, nice. And the first time 30-29 to 29 ever happened was the Giants-Cowboys back in 86, I think it was. Um, because I, I, always, I always have a look and make sure that I'm not being an idiot and coming up with something that's happened once ever. Um the thing is, is I keep flip flopping, and I could quite easily see this being thirty twenty nine the other way. Um, I just well, can't do a half and half. The prediction is <laughs> like, there on the screen now. It is, it is, so, and I have to, and I have to own it. Um, you've got to own it. I, I don't know. It just, just seems. It, it almost seems like the perfect storm to have a shootout between the two teams, and I just feel like. If Barkley doesn't go, that's the way it will it will fall. Um, now we yeah. have some listener listener predictions um, and some non predictions. Yeah. Jamie, we'll, you we'll are get the, the listener predictions. Should we get the listener predictions in and finish off with Jamie's? Yeah, go on then. So um, first on. of all, we had uh, Darius who said, um, "Evening, lads." I can't give a prediction because the Giants must earn their respect back. But in any case, we must win this game. I like that. I mean, I'm hoping you're you're predicting a, a Giants win, Darius. But um, you know, they do they do need to earn some respect. I get I get that. So, um, but thanks for your non prediction, uh, Steve's thirty one twenty four G men. Get in, Steve. Um, any others? Was it just those two? Just those two at the moment. Just those two. No problems. All right, Jamie. Last but not very mo very no means least. Uh, prediction for the game, mate. Uh, 28-24 in favour of the Giants. Yeah. yeah. We bounce back, 28. guys. We bounce back. 
28-24. Mate, a win's a win. I'll take it no matter how, whether it's by a point, whether it's by six that I've predicted. Um, you know, a win's a win. Uh, just incidentally as well, just had a quick look at the um, the uh, the spread for the game. Currently is a one-point spread in, t- in favour of, uh, of the Giants. So it's very, very tight. Uh, and mm. generally the, the home team gets three points. So it's almost slightly in favour of the Seahawks because they're on the road and it's a one-point spread. But, you know, that's, cha- that's changed a lot over the course of the week as well. So, yeah, I'm sure it'll change again before Monday night gets here. Right. Unfortunately... That is all we've got time for this week. Um, however, we will be back on Tuesday Wednesday. evening, possibly Wednesday evening. Wednesday, I think we've we've been able Wednesday to evening. Sort it out. As you can imagine, um, with the way that every you know we've all got work and everything, it sometimes it comes up to the wire. Um, even even this evening, you know, Kev, Kev was was hoping to be on and and he couldn't. And luckily, we've we've been able to get Jamie on tonight, which um, has been really good. Uh, I think the points. You know the points you've made, Jamie, and, and the conversations flowed really, really well. Um, and it's been nice to have a, a, a another opinion. So, absolutely, mate. Um, it's been a it's been a pleasure having you on, mate. Um, you know we've we've had we've got Shane as a brummy. We've got Kev is is dulcet Irish tones, um, and we've now got a, a a man from Welsh Wales to to call a, a a podcast guest and friend, and hopefully get you back on another time, mate. Yeah, brilliant. Thank you for having me on, guys. It's uh, Like I say, it's always great to talk football. And like you said, you know, at the end of the day, it's great when men talk as well, because that is what it's all about, guys. Couldn't agree more, mate. Couldn't agree more. Um, yeah, so we'll be back Wednesday evening, usual time, 8.30pm. Shane Abrami, he'll probably he'll have me for that. Yeah, I know he will. I know he will, Steve. Uh, yeah, smashed it, Jamie. Smashed it. Well done, mate. Um, yeah, usual time, 8.30 Wednesday evening. So make sure you join us then. Uh, we will review the Seahawks game. Um, and we're hoping for a, a win and, and reviewing a, a game that we win. Um, anything else to add before we go, guys? No, just, uh, no, week, week four's here. Where's the season going already? Um, How are we in week four? I know. And I just want to say a massive kudos to all three of us for making it through the entire episode up until now without mentioning Taylor Swift. <laughs> oh, no comment. No comment. Yeah. No comment. I mean, that <laughs> that 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 the, the, the meme that's done the rounds this week, the fact that the the Dolphins score seventy points in a game. And the biggest talking point is the fact that Taylor Swift turns up to the Chiefs game is an absolute outrage, in my let's opinion. Not forget, let's not forget we have the Cardinals beat the Cowboys. Uh, we have the Colts beat the uh, Ravens, Ravens in, in, in yeah. overtime. And yeah, every, all everyone's talking about is the fact that ta- if any lip readers out there were able to tell that Taylor Swift swore when Travis Kelsey caught a touchdown. Oh, my God. Nobody cares. <laughs> I mean, at least at least we don't care anyway. No. no. Um, yeah, I mean, I was never going to mention her anyway, but hey, hey, there we go. <laughs> um, but yeah, massive thanks to you, Jamie, for joining us this evening. I hope you've enjoyed it. It's been great to have you on. And I hope, like I said, we'll hopefully get you back on in future as well. Um, if you haven't already, hit the bell, subscribe to the channel, um, get the latest new updates and notifications. Check out our Etsy shop, etsy.com forward slash 
Big Blue UK IRL to get yourself some sweet, sweet podcast merchandise, uh, including um, some. Uh, we've got we've had T-shirts on in the past, and uh, there's hats, there's hoodies, there's lots of different things on there. So you know, get yourself some pod merch. Show us some love. We really appreciate it if you could uh, spend your hard-earned pennies on some of our merchandise. Um, Seahawks Giants under the Monday Night Lights. Two and two. Can it be true, lads? My thanks as ever go to Jamie and to producer Craig for joining me. To you, the viewers and listeners, for tuning in. We're signing off until next time. Go Giants. Mm-hmm.